Give ear to my words, O Lord. Consider my meditation. Good morning, St. Luke's. As many of you know, I recently graduated from the Candler School of Theology at Emory University with a Master's of Divinity, or MDiv as it's known. Now that's a title for you, Master's of Divinity. To be honest, I've always kind of wondered what that's about and how that name came to be, because how exactly does one master the divinity? If you know, please tell me, because I'm still scratching my head. But the last three years have involved an incredible amount of writing, an excruciating amount of reading, and many, many formative experiences along the way. When I headed to seminary, I thought that I would come out knowing everything, everything I needed to know that along the way I'd learn all the answers to the questions that I had been wondering about for so long. Instead, what I learned in seminary is that there are always more questions than answers. And I also learned the importance of sitting with the wonderments I had for the gifts that they themselves are. And one of the questions that has long churned in my mind, and I wonder if it has in yours too, is what one does in and with the presence of the divine. In big ways and small ways, how we notice it, whether we see it at all, and how we treat it when we do recognize it, because it's there in the world around us, and inside us, and in all the spaces in between. The gospel according to Mark is the perfect gospel for chewing on this because Mark introduces us to the divine. How Mark does it. How Mark reveals the wonder of God walking among us. Today's gospel comes from an early chapter in Mark. It's still the very beginning of Jesus' ministry. He's still in his home region of Galilee. He's just gathered some apostles around him. And people are starting to take notice of this man who is saying and doing some unusual things. If you look at an outline of Mark's gospel, you see that this is just a guy named Jesus. Not Jesus, the Son of God as we know him. There's no virgin birth in Mark's gospel. And I think it's different if you understand this is part of a quiet, unassuming beginning. We know where the story's going, which makes it easy to see the divinity that lies within. But in reality, all the audience knows at this point is that there's a man who's going around, driving out demons, healing lepers, and he doesn't seem to care much for the social order for the way that things are typically done. And he's trying to teach those that gather around to listen and learn about the kingdom of God. We read these words, hang on everyone. We know who's speaking. 
From where we sit, from this vantage point, we know that these are the words of God made flesh, walking among us. But for them, for the original audience, the crowd who gathered, who are listening and trying to grasp the meaning of these parables that aren't at all straightforward, it couldn't have been easy. This is the genius of Mark, introducing us to a man whose divinity is hidden inside, waiting to be uncovered and discovered as we walk with him, as we learn. It's a far cry from the miraculous beginning in Luke or the divinity so glorious that it smacks you in the face in John. Here in Mark, it's quiet. And I think that says something about divinity. Not just Jesus's, but divinity in general. It's not all miracles and golden halos. In fact, it's far more ordinary than that, and often far closer than we realize. In today's gospel, while this isn't the parable of the sower, there are seeds. Jesus is talking about the promise of the kingdom of heaven and likens it to seeds that spring forth from the ground, seeds that grow and produce fruit, seeds that we don't know how they grow, just that they grow. And those seeds of the kingdom that Jesus mentions, I wonder if we can find ourselves in them, see ourselves among the seeds that are planted each of them scattered by the same hand and given the same chance to grow. Each one of us carrying the promise of the kingdom, bearing that piece of divinity, that little light within that our sower gave to us. It's easy for us to see the presence of big divinity in all its glory in the Gospels, although it's probably more like being a Monday morning quarterback than anything else. After all, it's easy to point to the crowd and wonder how they possibly could have missed the divine walking among them. And it's something else for us to recognize the presence of the divine in the world around us today. And probably harder still to see it in ourselves. Because even when we can see the divine in those that we encounter, even when we see the sprouts growing from the seeds, so often we fail to count ourselves in that number. The reality is it's not easy to do. We may talk a good game, but it's so much harder to see, to know, to feel the ways that God is present with us and within us. And the circumstances of the last year haven't made it any easier. Instead of giving thanks that we are here, we focus on the fact that our clothes don't fit right after putting on the COVID-15 or 20. We say yes to the point of exhaustion. We schedule to the point of madness. And while the pandemic may have given us a bit of a reprieve in that regard, Instead, we filled the space with Zoom school and Zoom church and Zoom life 
so much so that now we're racing to get back to what was, even the parts that didn't work so well before. And I think that's natural. It's a part of the society we've built around us. After all, when we don't see the divinity in each other, it becomes easy to treat people in ways that doesn't honor their innate godliness. And when we don't see the divinity in ourselves, it becomes easy to forget to act like we are the promises of the kingdom that we truly are. Sometimes it takes us a lot to remind us of this lesson. I can only speak for myself here, but I can tell you that it's not an easy or automatic thing. And in all ways, I remain a work in progress. But as I've walked this journey, I can tell you that in my life, trying to honor the divine in myself has taken twists and turns that I couldn't possibly have imagined. For me, it meant turning my back on the life I knew. It meant leaving a job that paid for the house and the car and the kids' school. It meant getting rid of the stuff that surrounds us, that separates us. It meant launching on a journey, traveling around the country, just me and the kids and the dogs in our RV. And it meant getting out of my own way and making space to allow for something else, something unexpected to happen and to grow within me. It meant getting more comfortable with tears as I continued to tackle the grief surrounding the death of my husband. And it meant pushing aside the fears and doubts and going back to school 22 years after I thought I had written my last paper. Those are just some of the things that it has taken to make space to honor the divine within me. And that road of experiencing and listening and discerning has led me to stand before you today. Let me be clear, I'm not suggesting that any of you do what I did. Those were my steps. Those were the things that spoke to me and helped my own seed to flourish. The beauty of the breadth and depth of God's kingdom is that each and every one of us has a path no, paths available to us to help us sprout and grow. And on this, my last Sunday at St. Luke's, I can look back at how this place and how all of you have served as the nourishment and fertilizer for my seed as I've grown these last few years. There's so much that I've learned during my time at St. Luke's. I've seen big love in action. I've seen how hardship can redefine the way we care for each other if we let it. I've witnessed the ways that we can build bridges not only within this community, but around it as well. And through it all, I've seen the work of the divine. I've seen it in all the ways we continually work together at mastering divinity. In all the people who make this such a special place. I hope you can see it too. What a special place this is.
What an amazing congregation, St. Luke says. I hope that you can look around you, not just at these walls or these windows as beautiful as they are, or the flowers on the altar. No, I hope you can look into the eyes of the person sitting next to you and see the work of the divine or the person in front of you or the person way in the back on the other side. I hope you can look at them and see the beauty and richness of God's creation. That it's not a mystery like it was to the crowds listening to Jesus tell parables but that the presence of the divine is so evident that it can't be missed, that it smacks you in the face. But why stop there? Let's think bigger. I hope that as you walk out the door and head to brunch or the grocery store or back home to get out of your church clothes and back into your PJs, that the people who you meet along the way, whether on Peachtree or Ponce or in any one of the communities in which we live, that you can see the divine in them. The person who comes and stands at your window at the red light looking for help. The man pulled over at the side of the road who needs your witness so he can get home to his family. The mom in the checkout line at the grocery store whose kid is screaming and she could use a sympathetic look and the encouragement to know that it's okay for her to do the best she can. But most of all, my hope is that at some point today, and each and every day that you stand in front of a mirror for just a moment and look at yourself and that you see past the bags under your eyes or the new gray hairs or the marks from a scar long ago because the fact is nobody sees those things but you. Just stand there in front of the mirror for a moment and greet the person in the mirror with a smile or a tear and say, hey love, I, I see the divine in you.